0: Hello, friends. I'm excited to tell you about our end-of-year matching fund drive. Generous supporters have gotten together and pledged to match every dollar given to Signpost In between now and December 27th, up to $10,000. Your support is crucial to our ongoing ministry, and now you can double your impact by visiting signpostin.org donate and giving a special gift today. Please join us and help us continue being a welcoming space for those who need the incarnate grace of hospitality. Visit signpostin.org slash donate and double your gift.
1: Hello and welcome to the Signpost In podcast. Today, Brandon and I have the distinct privilege of welcoming Julianne Cusick to the show. Welcome, Julianne.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Matt and Brandon. Um, I know we've been talking about this over the last few months and I'm um, Really delighted to be here today with both of you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And so uh, by way of introduction, could you tell our listeners who you are and what it is you do?
2: Sure. Um, As you said, my name is Julianne Cusick. I am actually the co-founder alongside my husband of Restoring the Soul out in Colorado. And this is a ministry, a not-for-profit ministry um, that focuses on intensive soul care, um, and counseling. So that's kind of my title as an intensive soul care therapist. Um, I have a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, and I came to do this work um, through the back door. So I'm sure as we talk together, more of my story will come out. Um, But I spent a lot of time on the couch before I ever sat in the chair, and so that's how I got to do what i'm what i'm doing
1: well and and for for our listeners who may be not familiar uh the restoring the soul podcast has several hundred episodes and has had has millions of downloads worldwide it's a it's a phenomenal resource and we highly recommend our listeners check that out as well um but but maybe give us uh give us the story of you you mentioned that you started out on the couch um Tell us about your journey. Tell us about what got you into this type of ministry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thanks for the plug for the RTS podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's something that we really are um, proud of and and honored. You know, humbled that so many people listen and we get such good feedback. Um, it really, it um, it's really amazing. So uh long story, kind of short um that twenty well thirty two years ago, my husband and I got married um I was twelve no um a yeah. joke <laughs> um but we were married thirty two years ago um before we got married, my husband had told me that he had struggled with a porn addiction and had been in counseling for a couple of years, and like many young Christian women, I thought, well, you know if once we get married it won't be a problem we'll be having sex and he won't you know need to look at porn um and how naive i was because really porn addiction has nothing to do with sex with your intimate partner um has a lot to do with a whole lot of other stuff and the third year of our marriage i knew something wasn't right and i actually caught michael in a lie and You know, he was supposed to be working. He wasn't supposed to be working. It's like, well, which is it? And the blood drained from his face. And he said, I need to tell you something. And I immediately, Mm -hmm. like, just felt sick to Mm -hmm. my stomach. And he started to tell me about the last year um, of our marriage of secrets that he had kept, behaviors that he had done, um, acting out, um, watching uh, porn, and, you know, drinking at his lunch hour, like really lots of behaviors that um, could have cost him his job, um, could have cost him his marriage, which that's pretty much where I was like, dude, uh, I'm out, like, um, is not what I signed up for. Um, so we thankfully had really good mentors at the time. So thus began the or continued, I should say, the sitting on the couch because we had both been in counseling before we got married. And as Michael really um, was broken, was repentant, was remorseful, was digging into the deeper issues in his story that led to this, as he grieved the pain that he caused me, as I wept um, and was devastated, he allowed himself um, to be devastated as well. Uh, which I really, um, I, I mean, that, that was the game changer for me was how he responded to it. And so that kind of sets the bar for me when I'm working with folks over the years. So yeah, so as Michael was doing his work and really getting free from this entrapment of porn addiction, sex addiction, um, he started working with men and leading groups and was leading guys into freedom. Well, I hadn't even told my best friend what was going on. I was really um, struggling in the silence and shame um, and being alone. And that is one of the reasons why I speak is um, there's a passage in the Old Testament that says the Lord drew them with cords of human kindness. And that's really how he drew me. First, it was um, wives of men that were in his men's group wanted to talk to me because I had been through it. Um, then it was, you know, acquaintances, then it was would you speak at our church? Then it was a dear friend came to me and said, I need to talk to you and you know why. And I that was it. I the reluctant prophet in me threw up her hands and said, Fine, you've got me, Lord, I'll speak. And uh there's been no turning back since then. So Mm. um it's been twenty eight years now, um, since that time. And there've been a lot of podcasts, a lot of women I've sat with, um, a lot of counseling sessions, a lot of opportunities to share the story. Um, and sadly to witness, um, how, uh, sometimes it doesn't end the way my story has ended. um, So, uh, it's, it's always worth the fight, um, and to engage the battle to fight for hearts and souls and marriages to be restored and really for hearts to be set free before marriages can be restored. Um, and I mean, that makes it worth it. Um, but that doesn't happen all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think many of us, um, know of, uh, people that are struggling, um, there's um, this, this isn't relevant to our podcast at all, but, um, the news recently broke of a local youth pastor who, um, was arrested, um, because of things that were on his computer and it was serious enough for the authorities to be involved. And it's just utterly tragic. And uh and our community is, is grieving, um, over things like that. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so, um, yeah. But the reason why I thought you would be a really great guest on Signpost in um is because um in the ministry and, and Brandon you can speak to this a little bit is is uh, we've begun to meet lots of people who have stories of deep hurt um yeah, yeah. of things that have happened to them even within the church um and things that have happened to them that um have left real scars and maybe have not recovered from those those injuries Mm -hmm. Um, and they're carrying it carrying it with them through life um and so you know i've I've heard your story a number of times um on y'all's podcast and i thought julianne would be perfect a Mm. perfect person to come in and talk about what does the road to forgiveness look like what does healing and recovery um look like um and and also what does it what does it not look like? Mm-hmm. because sometimes sometimes we smuggle in bad ideas um, into our theology, into our understanding of what forgiveness is and um, and i I think it's a good idea for us to maybe dismantle some of the bad ideas that we we have mm-hmm. and talk about what it actually does look like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't know, Brandon, um can you think of any examples of of where uh, you've spoken with people who? um think that in order to be a Christian and have complete forgiveness and and walk walk out what scripture calls us to, um maybe they're they're smuggling in some of those bad ideas, bad theology.
0: Yeah. Um I mean maybe I'll take the question slightly different angle, which is that I think the question I hear more often than not, and Julianne, you may have more of this, but is is really the question of just how do I forgive? <laughs>
1: And Mm -hmm. I think
0: the assumption behind that, there's lots of different things that happens behind that question, Mm -hmm. but, but often the fear behind the question is, well, one, I don't want to, (laughs) if I, if I do, what does that mean Mm -hmm. for the person I forgive? Mm -hmm. And then two, Mm -hmm. what does it say about me if I can't Mm -hmm. before God? I mean, you know, those are the ways that I sometimes Mm -hmm. hear that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's, bad theology so much. There's certainly that there as it is. I I don't think we talk much about forgiveness Mm -hmm. in depth or in specifics within the church. (laughs) I think we say you should be forgiving and that's it. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, it's interesting. And Matt, you bring up just uh, another heartbreaking issue that the church is facing, um, not just in marriages where there's betrayal, trauma, but in churches, where there's betrayal trauma, now it's it's a different type, but it's spiritual abuse. It's our leaders preying on their people. Um, it's when stories break and there's sexual brokenness, or there's an affair, or you know, just fill in the blank. Um, and and I think we talk about forgiveness prematurely. Hmm. Um, I think there's a real um, we're quick to go to that that we have to forgive that we're called to forgive, and um, part of forgiveness is naming the the wound, naming the loss, naming the impact of what's happened to me, um, you know, and I don't see forgiveness as a one time event, I see it as a process. Um, I have sat with. I mean, I didn't forgive Michael right away. I mean, it was impossible to forgive right away. Um, my whole world had blown up. Um, I had no sense of of safety, of balance, of equilibrium. I was just, I mean, hanging on to God and trusting that he was hanging on to me. And um, my relationship this way was what I was focused on, not outward towards Michael, Um so, lamenting, grieving, being angry, um, you know, hearing like, I want to know what happened. I want to know everything. And we were even counseled that if, if I was ever going to trust Michael again, that the foundation of that would be him being 100% completely honest with me and not holding anything back. And that has been what I have, um, you know, spoken on and, um, what we have lived out and what I, uh, when given the opportunity will walk people, you know, I'll walk that journey with them and through that. So they're not doing it alone. Um, Michael was so good at telling me everything. That was how trust began to grow again. Um, if I had thought that he was continuing to act out or continuing to Um, lie to me or tell me, you know, 80% or 90% or 99%. It's like having a cancer diagnosis and going in and saying, you know, just leave a few of those cancer cells behind. Take about 98% of everything, but don't worry about getting, you know, 110% of everything out. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd be like, no, we want to get rid of all of it. Like we don't want those cells there. And yet we think somehow that we can keep, um, Behaviors and secrets it, hidden and in the darkness, and not expect them to grow and fester, um, and they do. That's just the nature um, of of what happens in hiddenness and what sin does. It grows in the darkness. Um, so, I think we have to step back first, and we have to look at what's the impact, what's the nature of the offense, and and really uncover all of that um because if not the forgiveness is just partial Hmm. right i can only forgive what i know and it's going to take time um a lot of times in working with couples that there's been um i'll just call it sexual acting out whether it's porn whether it's an affair you know we'll just call it sexual acting out um the partner who has offended, um, the other partner who's acted out will say, well, you know, it's been three months and she hasn't forgiven me yet. And I'll say, yeah. And how long have you had this sexual addiction? Um, and many times it's 20, 30, 40 years, you know, started when they were teenagers. It's okay. Um, and how, so you've known about this for, you know, 40 years and you've been married, how much of that time? 20 years? Okay. Um, and your wife's known for how long? Mm-hmm. Three months? 20 years? I'm thinking she might need a little bit more time because her whole world has just blown up. And so I, I, I struggle when I hear that language of, she hasn't forgiven me yet. She keeps bringing it up. She's in unforgiveness. No, no. She's actually in a process of um, her world having been blown up. She's trying to catch up on all of what she hasn't known for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, She's trying to regain a sense of safety and stability. Um, What she thought was her reality in her marriage and in her life now she's got information that it's different. It was not the reality that she thought. And our human mind cannot just forgive that to start with. We have to process it. We have to digest it. We have to take it in. We have to name it. Um, we have to grieve it. And we have to go through this process before we're able to um, forgive so, all that to say, I think we talk about forgiveness prematurely um, and inadequately.
1: Well, and and I really do appreciate the what the way you talk about it as being a process and recognizing mm-hmm. that this is. A, I think sometimes in churches we can just say, "Well, just just be done with it, forgive and, and move on," and and it, it fails to recognize that there is legitimate healing that needs to happen as a result of those kinds of. Mm-hmm. of wounds, of betrayals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it also, I think, minimizes uh, what you said is kind of like a first step of actually recognizing like, this is what happened. This is the offense. This is the hurt, the damage, the the thing that needs to be forgiven and fully being able to fully address that and see that
2: mm-hmm. I think
1: is something that often gets just sort of like, we, we don't want to look at it because it's already hurt, hurtful enough. We don't want to, take an inventory or take stock of, of exactly what has happened because in mm-hmm. a lot of times we ourselves, like a, the person who's been wounded would rather just not deal with it at all, pretend it didn't happen, mo- run away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't create healing. It doesn't mm-hmm. create, um, a a healthy foundation for forgiveness or moving forward. It, it just creates a, it's sweeping sin under the rug
2: mm-hmm. and that's,
1: that hurts everybody involved.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And there's a big difference between forgiveness and restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can forgive someone. I can release them from oh, the burden of what they have done, but that doesn't mean I'm going to enter back into relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so When we're looking at, um, you know, a church member who's been prayed on by a church leader um, or a staff, church staff, who has been prayed on by a pastor. um, One, it has to be named. We have to um, call it. There's a great, um, it was interesting, some of the verses that we had um, talked about, kind of shared, you had shared with me beforehand um they're not the ones that i usually use and i think the ones that i use are the ones that are overlooked so luke 17 3 says if your brother or sister sins against you rebuke them Hmm. um if they repent forgive them Hmm. who wants to sign up to be rebuked for their sin right i mean talk about embracing humility Honesty, um, brokenness, uh, vulnerability to allow myself to be rebuked by another um, for how I have impacted them, for how my sin has wounded them. Wow. Let's talk about that for a moment as part of this forgiveness process. So basically, the person who's wounded is called to confront the person who has done the wounding and say, this is what you've done. Hmm. Then scripture says, if they repent, what does repentance mean? Repentance really goes hand in hand with forgiveness. It doesn't always happen, um, but it's like a teeter-totter, right? On one hand, we've got forgiveness. On the other side, we've got repentance. If there's no repentance, it says, if they repent, forgive them which implies if they don't repent, we don't have to forgive them. Ooh, how many, how many of us are uncomfortable now?
1: Right.
2: <laughs> um, um, so uh, 2 Corinthians 7 talks about sorrow leading to repentance and how true godly sorrow brings repentance, and that repentance then brings salvation, it brings life. That's the same process relationally, interpersonally. It, you know, that's what struck me about my husband um, 28 years ago, 29 years ago. Um, there was godly sorrow. There was repentance. Um, he heard my rebukes. and And he responded in a way that allowed forgiveness to come more easily. If there had not been repentance, if there had not been ownership, if there had not been godly sorrow, um, if, if there had not been an acknowledgement of what had happened, um, I, don't, I don't think we could have been reconciled. As a matter of fact, I think it's impossible to reconcile without there being godly sorrow and repentance there I can forgive him but I wouldn't be married to him I wouldn't be in relationship with him um and so I think um we have to look at what do, what is required for reconciliation what is required for um reconciliation what's required for there to be a resurrection which is new life versus mm-hmm. Resuscitation, just bringing back the dead to life, and I and unfortunately, I see a lot of marriages trying to be resuscitated, and people are staying married, but they don't really have a marriage. There really isn't true forgiveness. There really isn't true repentance. Um, so there's no there's no bridge, therefore, then mm. to reconcile to restore.
0: So, Julianne, if I think if I'm hearing you correctly, there's like, you're making a clear distinction between forgiveness and restoration or reconciliation of a relationship. Yes. And I suppose, like maybe back out for a minute from um, marriages or abuse in churches, it's sort of in a broader sense. So, for example, I sometimes, um, the question comes, I've had a rough relationship with my parents. It's not abusive. It's just they've they've never let me be an adult for an example. I just my parents have not done this to me, but here's the example. And they've hurt me, genuinely hurt me. And I have this sense that I have to forgive. And I think sometimes I'm hearing your distinction. It's like it's like those two things get overlapped and misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So, could you say more about like what is forgiveness in a simple sense that doesn't mean I have to have reconciliation? Like, what is it? What's what's incumbent upon me if that's the right word mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I'm supposed to forgive? Yeah. If and then maybe we can talk about well, what would reconciliation look like afterwards? But
2: yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to lean on some uh, notes that I took from my pastor when I met with him. He is a biblical scholar extraordinaire. He's a word geek, he, a self-described word geek, and he, he loves the original Greek and Hebrew. So um, it, it's hard to translate the Hebrew um, into English, um, but the word um, nasa, N-A-S-A, nasa, means to carry or to burden something. Uh, it really means to lift off of something that's heavy that someone's carrying and to to take that um and to let Jesus carry that burden instead. Hmm. Um, another one is salak. Um, I can't quite get that sound. Salak, hmm. um, but it means to sprinkle water, um, and it, it comes from Ethiopia, meaning to um, draw water. So think about how we used to go to the you know the Old Testament. They used to go to the wells and dr- dip and draw the water. And so it's the most common Hebrew word for forgiveness. And it's mean the mm. closest English word is to pardon. Mm. Um, so um, like to wash, to wash away, to cleanse, to pardon, to forgive. Forgiveness is active. Um, so if I'm to forgive my parents, um, part of honoring them is um, to name what is true. And again, we're coming back to again the injury we have to name it um first um, and then to to bring the water of pardon or to lift off the the burden means I'm not gonna hold it against them anymore right um yes if if we breathe, if we have a belly button um you know we have wounds, we have damage in our lives um whether it's wounds of of absence or wounds of presence um we have we have these wounds we can choose to carry them around um forever and they become bitterness and resentment and all of those things um but i think the lord calls us in our own work of growing up to uh, which would be sanctification right salvation sanctification and our process of sanctification is coming to a place where we can recognize yes this is what's happened to me and then looking at the other person and being able to say um maybe they did the best that they could with what they had and i'm choosing to release them from that burden they're not going to get it i may try and talk with them about it i may not but it's a choice that we make to let that heavy burden go yeah um, well
1: and, and I think there's there's so many um, so many Christians that have chimed in on this and written on this um, in ver- various things that I've read and, and one of the key things that so many people have talked about is that the act of forgiveness, whether there is or isn't any kind of reconciliation, is really about setting ourselves free and really recognizing of when i don't forgive i carry that bitterness mm-hmm. and that resentment with me and that makes me a slave it makes me a slave to that past hurt for as long as i hold on to it mm-hmm. and so the the act of forgiveness can be a, a a very freeing thing but it but if that's the case why is it so hard right if if we recognize like oh i can set myself free from all this hurt if it, it sounds so simple, but then it's not. Why why yeah. is it so hard yeah. to let those things go?
2: Because they hurt. Because they hurt, because it wasn't fair. You know, we didn't we didn't get what we were supposed to get. You know, we got a, a stone instead of a fish. And and mm. and it hurts to not get what we were created to get, what we want to get. Um, I didn't sign up to have a broken marriage, you know, as a believer, um, you know, we were trying to do all the right things, you know, follow the rules and, you know, um, it hurts, it hurts. And so again, I think we, we, we may be when it's hard to forgive, it may be because we've not addressed the wound, um, you know, woe to you teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you say peace, peace to my people where there is no peace. We're trying to blanket it over and say, oh, forgive and forget, move on, blah, blah. No. Forgiveness is a call to remember, to name what Mm. has happened. We cannot have forgiveness without remembering.
0: Um, Sorry to just jump, Julian. that I think that's one of the things that so often is just not said. Mm -hmm. So much pressure to act like nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm hearing you say, no, you have to actually name. You said this earlier that you have to name what's true. Mm -hmm. And I hear that being so important both on both sides. Like I have to name this person, this parent, my husband, whatever, my this is what was done wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I also have to name what's true within me. And this is how I feel about it. And this is how much it hurt me. Yeah. And then the, I heard, you know, the other thing you said was with the, part of the process is lamenting. R- lamenting is remembering
2: mm-hmm.
0: and grieving mm-hmm. the hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry to, I just, I'm like a light bulb pops on when you <laughs> said it that way. And so I'm like, ah, but I just, so many people I think, yeah, I, that's not really a question. I just, so many people I know feel like, mm-hmm so much pressure to sort of instantly flip a switch and be done with it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. And, um, I also think that, that we're, we've got this impression, you know, I even use the phrase forgive and forget and move on. Well, forgetting that's not what we're called to. And, um, And the the idea that that forgiveness is a process, not a moment. And I'll give you a great, what I think is a great example of this. Um, I walked with a friend through um, some unfaithfulness and um, a consequent divorce. And it was five years out after the divorce. And um, her mom was ill in the end stages. And she said, I have to forgive him all over again because he promised me he would be here with me. I wouldn't have to go through losing my mother alone. And he promised my mother he would be here for her and she wouldn't have to. And he's not here. And she's like, I'm hurt and I'm angry and it's five years out. Now, how could she have known that that was going to happen? She couldn't. So that's that. Here's another opportunity five years later. She's forgiven, released, you know, turned him over to what he wanted. Um, and here I am having to forgive all over again because there's a new loss. Um, and so I think that's one way that forgiveness is a process is we can't forgive everything because we don't know the full impact as time goes on there might be oh did I? I thought i forgave him before but now there's a new level or a new layer to this healing and forgiveness because something else now has come up um this this story with this couple um doesn't end there um there was dramatic transformation um years five to ten and a reconciliation and a coming back to the Lord and coming back together um, and a remarriage. That doesn't always happen. And for many years, uh, I ministered alongside this woman, and she was divorced and I was in the restored marriage. Um, There's no guarantee. Now, um, it's it's beautiful to have seen them live long enough to be able to have restoration. But it came through his owning what he had done, naming it, taking accountability and responsibility for it through brokenness, godly sorrow, repentance, and through that there was a process of healing. And they had remained friends, but their marriage became restored.
0: Well, what's what is your advice, encouragement to those folks who? The the party that has done the wounding won't name it, won't mm-hmm. take responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, how, what then? Yeah, you're stuck in this place.
2: Yeah, forgiveness is so much easier when um, the person who has, you know, been the offender names it, owns it, takes accountability and responsibility for it. When that doesn't happen, then there's choices, right? Mm-hmm. What are the options? What do you want to do? Um, what, what do you need to live this way, connected with God, um, to be free from this? And that that's, and brings us to another area, as I talked about my friend, whose marriage um, experienced divorce, We don't want to talk about divorce in the church either. Um, You know, it's stay stay married at all times because um, God hates divorce. Um, But if we look at the original Hebrew of what that means, it means he hates that men's hearts are hardened and that there's actually a need for divorce. Um, Divorce is a grace it's the mercy boat um it's an um an a provision that that god provides when there isn't repentance when there isn't ownership when somebody wants to stay in their and their ways
1: and and you know i i kind of want to jump in there because there's we we as christians and and the stories that we tell in the church and tell each other and, um, are are so often focused on the happy ending and the restoration and the reconciliation. And, and, and that is what God does, right? God does miracles like that all the time. And we really emphasize those. Um, and, and we definitely pray for things like that. Um, but there, there is a reality in, in times when, when that, that ending that we hope for and pray for doesn't happen. And you talked about that earlier, about how sometimes it doesn't end the way we want it to. And so I guess um, as we kind of approach the end of this or, or, or as we talk about this, what what does it look like for the person who, who doesn't get their happy ending or doesn't get that uh, full reconciliation and restoration and new life what is, what is walking out forgiveness look like for them? And what is, <laughs> what is healing and, and personal restoration? I mean, you know, you indicated that there's a, there's a a vertical relationship with God that can um, help us through that. But I don't know if, mm-hmm. it, do you have any, any words of encouragement for those people?
2: Um, it is as individual as each of us, all of us. Um, for some it's, um, staying married and, and not having a real marriage where there's, um, forgiveness or repentance, restoration. Um, for some it's living separately, you know, and either in the house or outside of the house, you know, staying married, but living apart, uh, because of what, um, behaviors continue to go on and on, um. And we talked about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't, and forgiveness is not setting aside the b- behavior if it continues to happen over and over and over again. Um, and so each person has to come to terms with what, what is the most loving thing for them to do for themselves and for the, the other person. Um, some people stay. And, um, and some people don't, and, and sadly, um, it's not so much what we do, but why we're doing it, because there's a lot of people in the church that are divorced and don't really have like a good reason for that. Um, they did it too quickly. They did it as a knee jerk reaction. They did it out of their pain and their brokenness. Um, but there's a lot of people that have biblical grounds for divorce who stay in these abusive relationships for years or work for an abusive pastor for years um and so it, if the abuse were physical and not emotional or spiritual what would we say to somebody being physically abused in a relationship we'd say get out get help like that's not okay it's not safe and yet so many times when there's the absence of broken bones or a black eye it's a wounded spirit you know a broken heart um it's internal the bleeding and that we can't see it we want to mask and pretend um that it's not there that it's not real and that's again you treat the wounds of my people superficially um you say peace peace where there is no peace Um, and sadly i think the churches can be good at shooting its wounded and so those who Um, are divorced then it's not just the pain of their life and the pain of a divorce which is death something has died the hopes the dreams that they had have been dashed on the rock they're broken they are no more so there's already a death and we don't know how to grieve with them we don't know how to mourn with them we don't know how to hold space for them and then then they become isolated because they're wearing the scarlet letter it's not just you know um it d is the one that is is the the scarlet letter in the church um why is that why do we do that why do we keep coals on those that are already broken and wounded and hurting and and grieving and then i i hate that i can recall numerous situations where the person who has done the wounding gets all the support and the wounded one is like judged and excommunicated from the church. And I'm going, what? Um, what keeps us from, from entering into that? We have to look at our own lives at our own heart. Um, and, and who are we to judge when we judge others? You know, we're judging ourselves. We don't like that verse, <laughs> right. you know, but that's, that's in there. Whatever we hold against somebody, we're holding our own, you know, our stuff is being held against us. Um, so what, what does grace require? What does compassion require? How would Jesus respond?
1: The, the, the concept of, of, of mourning with others is, is something that, again, it's, it's kind of one of those things. We, we, we really just want the happy ending mm-hmm. and, and we don't want that intermediate stage of where we're grieving with somebody, um, whenever we're able to, because we're so powerless. Like if we're, if we're with somebody who is, is just a wreck, we're powerless to help them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard for us. It's, it's in a selfish way. It's hard for us to deal with. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be around you right now. Cause I don't know how to help you. I give you my I give you my pat answers not to help you at all, but really just to as a as a as a way to get myself out of the situation. And I don't actually have to have the embodied physical, physically present grace of of grieving with you, (laughs) um, of dealing with uh, whatever it is. Um, And I do think that in terms of what we see with having long past wounds and and things that are uh decades old that we still carry around are part of that because um there's really sometimes sometimes not always but sometimes the church uh struggles to help people uh, to be there um as they process uh the things the things that have happened to them and walk and again we're 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 reluctant travel companions for people who are walking a road of, of healing and forgiveness that you already mentioned. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I'm, I am pro marriage. I am pro forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation. And, um, you know, I, I will roll up my sleeves and get in the trenches and fight with couples for that. Um, well, we can't, we can't have the restoration, the healing, Um, without the brokenness. I mean, think about our broken bones. How many times, you know, if somebody we've heard, maybe we've had a son or daughter break their arm and they have to re-break it or to be able to reset it for it to heal properly. What's true in the physical is true in in the emotional and spiritual world as well. You know, God's truths are the same. (laughs) Um, He doesn't change. So, What, what, you know, it's go ahead.
0: Oh, it just strikes me that what a miracle repentance is then (laughs) because of how difficult it is. I mean, asking someone in a sense to break their own bones is really sort of what's being asked. I think when God asks for us to repent, um, and what a miracle it is when we do mm-hmm. and what a grace and gift it is. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. That just struck me as being, it's really, this is hard on every side.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I have yet to um, meet with an individual um, who has wounded another and and not uncovered their own wounding underneath
1: yeah and and that that idea i think goes back to stu- stuff we've talked with before brandon about this idea of if if grace if there if there is, the, the possibility of finding grace isn't there then on, the only recourse left to us is deny defend blame mm-hmm. um cover it up mm-hmm. hide um mm-hmm. because because the that's the only other thing that that's possible because dealing with the consequences of our own sin, of the brokenness, um, of the things that others have done, it's um, it's completely insurmountable without that grace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's the good news um, that that the gospel has to offer is that it's it's not just. I don't know, go with me on this. It's it's not just that, that we have grace. It's not just that grace is offered to us, but there's such an overabundance of grace that we can tap into that. Even the things that have been done to us, we can also just in the same way as Christ was forgiven us. We can too. Um, and we can offer that grace. A lot of times just, um, the, the, the fact that grace is offered before sometimes the repentance is ever there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's not always the case, um, mm-hmm. and that's not a, always even uh, a recommended course because, again, there is real situations where uh, safety and boundaries need to be observed. Mm-hmm. But, but, but the concept of uh, the power of the cross and the power of, of God's grace and triumph over all sin at least leaves the, the slightest possibility that there can be. I a heard. kind of reconciliation, a kind
0: of healing. So, following that, Julianne, one of the things as Matt was speaking that I that occurred to me is, it could easily feel like forgiveness is sort of a requirement on me. I have to be the one that gives the grace. There's the unfairness of all of that, but it occurs to me that it sounds like, if I'm hearing you correctly. You're really articulating a much more gracious posture towards the one who needs to forgive as well. Like there's a much more patient, yes, long-suffering, loving, gracious yes. posture towards the one who's being asked to forgive. And I think we sometimes don't hear that, right? It's it's sort of forgiveness is this harsh command almost, or and and I'm just I'm just hearing a much more gracious
2: mm.
0: process. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, for the person forgiving, again, naming it, right, grieving it, lamenting, the the time that that takes, really taking into account all of the the the, the losses, the wounds, the damage, the cost. Um, and mm-hmm. for the person um, you know that we're hoping will be called um, and respond with repentance, um, you know, he who has been forgiven much loves much. So it should be a joyful thing to be able to say oh my gosh this is this is where i've sinned this is where i've fallen this is where i've i've wounded you you know i've i've taken my own wounds and and now um have acted out in such a way that i've i've hurt the person i, I should love the most i should protect um mm-hmm. and but the, you know who wants to jump into that and yet that is where there's freedom and healing and an abundance of grace and mercy and love um for us to be yeah. able to to own our stuff big stuff and little uh, stuff own it yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, that's such it, yeah that's so so difficult and yet also i hear that the only space in which any of these things can happen, repentance or forgiveness, is that gracious space Mm -hmm. within Christ who understands us deeply,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. has compassion on us deeply. Mm -hmm. And goodness, how much we need, I think how much we need to hear that first Mm -hmm. as the context in which repentance or forgiveness is done, Mm -hmm. rather than the how often we hear it sinfully, or it's taught sinfully, yeah. that God's gracious, loving kindness and compassion is sort of dependent upon our repentance and forgiveness. Like it, you know, it's not the ground in which those things can happen; it's the, it's the, it's the <laughs> transaction that we're we're trying to achieve. And that, boy, that's hard to. Mm-hmm. That makes it impossible in my mind. If it's a, if does that make sense?
2: You mean if somebody's holding a gun to your head, saying, "Forgive, forgive, forgive."
0: Yeah. Or, or repent, repent, repent either way, you know? Right. Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think scripture talks about a process as well. In, um when they say, you know, if someone, your brother, you know, sins against you, go to them. If they don't listen to you, get another brother or sister and go to them. Right. And, and if they still don't listen, right, then you go to the church. And how many times are we expecting people to repent or forgive in isolation on their own? Where where is their community? Mm-hmm. We need mm-hmm. we need community. And we're trying to do these mm-hmm. big hard things in isolation. And that mm-hmm. goes right back full circle to why I say yes to podcasts or interviews or meeting with people or speaking publicly it is because I know what it's like to spend years in silence and shame and solitude. And it wasn't, I wasn't healing. It wasn't until Mm -hmm. I started sharing and I started bringing it into the light and um, that, that I started to heal and get free. And, and I want that for others. I don't want others to have to be in the silence and the shame and the solitude. I don't want them to be alone grappling mm-hmm. with these hard like there's space there's so much space that god gives us there's so much room and we put him in this little box and and he just doesn't fit he just doesn't yeah. fit in that little box he's so much more expansive mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah
1: amen i love that i love that and I, and i especially love um I love that part about that you mentioned there about about bringing things out into the light and doing it with community. Because alone and in the dark, the smallest thing seems like a a terror that is uh, impossible to deal with. Um, But whenever uh, we bring it out into the light and we bring others along to help us sort it out, clean it up, make sense out of it, um, it suddenly becomes not nearly as terrifying and not nearly as, as devastating. It can be dealt with. Um, and, uh, I, I know that, um, as, as we wrap this up, um, this conversation might have, um, brought up a lot of things maybe for some of our listeners. And, um, if you're just looking for, maybe you just want to, um, process that out loud or, 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 um, on on the keyboard, so to speak, we we definitely encourage our listeners to send an email at podcast at signpostden.org. Um we would love to to hear your stories um and and process with you if that's what if that's what you need. But but most especially we would do what Julianne, we'd encourage you to do what Julianne said, which is uh find a community that's gonna offer you that grace, that's going to uh be long suffering and to come alongside you and extend as much grace and compassion as you need uh, um, until you reach the end of that road, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Julianne, how, how if somebody wants to connect with your ministry, what, what do they do?
2: Uh, the best thing to do is to go to our website, RestoringTheSoul.com, and they can, um, from there, read about our programs that we have, um, our intensives, as well as our men's and women's weekends. Um, and there are pages that have links to podcasts. That are on topics such as this, the um, betrayal, trauma, abuse in the church. Um, we have a lot of great uh, folks that Michael has interviewed um, on the podcast. People that have spoken. So there's lots of resources they can get um, from the podcast as well. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So and that's restoring the sorry restoring dot
2: com. Yes, restoringthesoul.com. Yeah. Yes, and Excellent. you'll know we'll you got the right to show you got to the right place if uh, you find Michael and myself on there and the one that's in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. So, Excellent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. 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 Cool. Yeah. Well, so, we'll put we'll put links to the in the show notes, of course, to those resources.
2: So. Sure, and I want to thank you both for doing Signpost in podcast. I'm delighted to make new friends through this um, this interview and process of getting uh, to talk today, and just grateful for the work that you're doing and what you're providing for your listeners and to tackle um, the topic of biblical forgiveness. Like that is a mouthful um, Mm. because it's, there's so much to it. So um, blessings to both of you for the work that you're doing and, and addressing the hard things.
1: Thank you. Thank you. you. And same to you. Um, Yeah. I've I've been listening to the, the restoring the soul podcast for years. So, I feel like we're we're uh, um, I, I feel like I already know you. I feel like I already know John. And, and uh, in, in, in many ways, I feel a, a kind of camaraderie in, in really working towards the same goal. Um, and I just love the fact that the, the kingdom is so full of amazing people that are um, pursuing those the, the same goal. Um, so that's great. So any any final words, Brandon or Julianne?
2: I just want to say thank you for this opportunity and um for those who are listening, if there's things that rubbed you the wrong way, um I encourage you to press into that and be really curious about that um and to talk uh, with someone about it um, and for those that are um hurting and maybe you feel understood um in a way that you haven't before, or maybe um Um, you feel seen in a way that you haven't felt seen before. Just know that you're not alone and God's got you and your story isn't, your story isn't finished yet.
1: Amen. That's a great way to end it. Thank you. All right. Um, well, thank you. Thank you again, Julianne, for joining us out, um, on the back porch. Uh, Brandon, as always, it's, these conversations are so great. And to our listeners. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you
0: wherever the road takes you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost In, a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostin.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostin.org donate. That's signpostin.org donate. And thank you.